Oh man, I'm just figuring out now. This this might get a little challenging doing this after every single other game. I mean, I'm not really doing it after every single other game. I'm just doing it after every single game I can. And I didn't really feel like doing a podcast tonight, but they won, motherfuckers! Woo! It's really, it's really all the reason why I'm doing it. Because, I mean, anyone who listens to me knows that I don't, I don't bitch about the Oilers much. So it's tough for me to do podcasts after losses. But after wins, you know, I cuz I'm such a I'm such a positive, uplifting type of guy, I'll talk about the wins. I just don't like dwelling on the losses. I I'm not a I'm not a blame everything on McClellan kind of guy. I'm not a blame everything on Talbot kind of guy. Not a not a McDavid deserves better than this kind of guy. You know, I'm just a just a fun, upbeat guy. Hmm. Uh, this is Soups on Oilers. This morning, I'm going to guess, is when you're listening to this. Uh, it's still tonight for me. It's 1037. In fact, uh, I'm your host, Tyler Campbell. Uh, how you doing? This is my third podcast I'm laying down now in the last 29 hours, maybe? Yeah. If you listen, if you try and listen to all the podcasting I do, uh, you're getting sick of me. Yep, there's no doubt about that. Let's see, I did my own on Monday, and I jumped on with Dirtbag Donnie in SPR to do Late Night with the Oil Night last night. Well, last night for me, uh, yesterday morning for those of you who listened to it. And uh, again, want to state thank you so much to both those dudes for not only having me on, but for just the interaction, the kind words, like everything, man. Like, talk about two just good dudes. Like, they really are. We've I've never met either one in person. They're just, they're helping me out, you know, and, and really for no reason other than to be good guys. Like, can't promote their stuff enough, can't, like, you know, yeah, I just, I got nothing but good things to say, and I could go on about them all night, quite honestly. Uh, I probably, they probably got sick of me saying that shit uh, after we were done recording the podcast last night. I I just, yeah, I I'm a guilty person, and I'm a thankful person, and yeah, I'm pretty appreciative of what they did. Uh, Oilers win, 6-2, and obviously that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. That's why I do a Soups on Oilers podcast now, and uh, yeah, it was it was a relief. It was big win, good bounce back, um, not too much negative tonight, mostly positive. Um, I noticed... Because I wanted to make sure I watched the McClellan presser before I did this tonight. I noticed that he wasn't asked about Koskinen during the presser. Edmonton Media, are you fucking kidding me? Huh, boys? Huh? 
Like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck? Like, talk about the elephant in the room and nobody wants to acknowledge it. (laughs) I know that it was a 6-2 game. If Cam Talbot is between the pipes, I don't know. Like, that was one of those games. I said it on Twitter. That was one, that was just like the Minnesota game late in the second period. They're up 3-2. They're controlling the play. They should be up a lot more. But Montreal's able to hang around. What happened, though? What's the difference? And I, I didn't... You know, Cam Talbot, I staunchly defended him with that Minnesota game. That was not on him. That was... That was the penalty kill that night. And, I mean, the power play obviously needed to cash too, but the penalty kill was. But having said that with the penalty kill, it has become very clear that what the penalty kill's problem is, they don't trust Cam Talbot. Because when Miko Koskinen gets between the pipes, all of a sudden that PK looks pretty damn good. All of a sudden, that PK is playing the exact way they're supposed to be. You know? So, yeah, it's there's, at the moment, I don't want to, you know, tweet this out. And, you know, not that I'm anything big enough to for freezing cold takes to pick up my stuff. But I don't want to be the guy saying, yep, there's no question now. Miko Koskin's the number one book it. He's, you know, taking the others to the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. And then Cam Talbot. I mean, again, I don't want to get too high on Koskinen. We have seen this pretty much exact same script to this point play out before with Nielsen and Talbot. And what ended up happening, Cam Talbot, got the job back and was tremendous the last half of the 2016 season. At least so that's the way I remember it. Uh, I know he had good numbers that year, so it must have been because he wasn't too good through about December of that season. Koskinen looks like a number one, man. I, I don't know. I don't like With Honors Nielsen, it just kind of felt different than Koskinen does. It just, it just it, there was a lot of stops that year with Nielsen where I was kind of like, ooh, he didn't look too good. You know, uh, and this has been the concern with Koskinen is that what's going to happen when teams get a bit more of a book on him and see a lot more video on him? You know, like, the, you know, he gets beat under the blocker. You know, he's, he's let in a few under the blocker. But that's an easy fix. Talbot getting beat up high? And you wonder... I know the goal equipment hasn't shrunk much, but I do wonder that little bit of extra room. Talbot's not the biggest guy. <sighs> I wonder if that might be the problem. Whereas Koskinen, dude's six seven. He's not getting, you know, you getting beat up high. Yeah, the odd time, you know, Max Domi beat him up high, and I, you know, got to remember, there's Max Domi shooting that puck. You know, I think Stamkos got him up high. You know, Forsberg got him up high. You could say, well, he's getting beat up high too. Look at the guys who are beating him up high. You know, <laughs> we're talking about some of the most elite shooters in the game. Anyway, the two goals on Koskinen tonight, they weren't good goals. 
But he then shut the door. He completely shut the door. And Cam Talbot would not have done that right now. Cam Talbot, when he's on, would do that. Cam Talbot right now would not do that. Cam Talbot's confidence looks completely shot. And Koskinen, you know, the save percentage is one thing. You know, look at 931 in the game, I want to say. You know, whatever it was, it was it was tremendous. It'll bump his save percentage up. But what I really liked was, yeah, he let in some shaky goals. And, you know, it was 2-2 when it shouldn't have been 2-2. And it was only 3-2 when it shouldn't have been only 3-2 for a long time. He shut the door. That's what you do. That's what you do. And the crazy thing is, this is not to piss all over Todd McClellan. In fact, I'm going to give McClellan the benefit of the doubt for a few things tonight. But one thing, you know, Koskinen's the clear number one. Bet he doesn't start Saturday. He should. Who who in the fuck outside of that dressing room, outside of that coach's room, outside of one guy maybe in the coach's room, who doesn't think Koskinen should start, shouldn't start, sorry, on Saturday? There is no doubt that Koskinen's, especially when you look at it, Calgary's the better team right now than Vegas. So... Koskinen absolutely should start. If I had to bet right now, I'd put the money on Talbot. Because it's Todd McClellan's MO. Don't adjust. Don't make the adjustments. Go back to your guys. It's admirable. There is an aspect of it that is very admirable. There is a bigger aspect of it that is very, well, Todd McClellan's not stupid. He's stubborn. But stupidness can be born out of stubbornness. I don't know if that's a saying, but it should be. And he is extremely stubborn and is going to stand by his guy, and his guy is Cam Talbot. Hope I'm wrong. Bet I'm not. Very much so hope I'm wrong. Bet I'm not. But I mean, you could see you could see it with the team. They trust him. You know, it's not just the PK. I feel like higher quality scoring chances happen when Koskinen's in net. And you might say, "Well, what the fuck would that have to do with anything?" They're looser. They're confident, so they're looser. So they're not they're not thinking the whole game. Oh, we got to get six so we can win six five. They're thinking. Eh, if we get one here and one there, power play looks good. You know, he's got a shirt up on the back end. You know, we get a couple goals tonight. We get three goals tonight. We should win the game. Miko's in net. So you toss the puck around a little more. You feel better about yourself. It's just, it just makes a world of difference. You know, it, I don't know. That's to the eye test. I don't know. I don't have those numbers. I, I I would guess though scoring chances go up and the high quality scoring chances go up especially when he's in net. Just just my just my thoughts. You know, like I say, don't mean to talk out of my ass, but I kinda am on that one. But that's that's the eye test to me. 
hit on the PK. No, no, no. Okay, so obviously the other one, Dreisaitl and McDavid back together, looked tremendous tonight. Here is my problem. If that's a one-off, or if that's a special situation where he put them together, I love it. The problem is, now we get to see them together for probably a minimum of 40 to 50 games. And what I don't understand, and this is not just McClellan, it's just about every coach, is why can't they play it on a matchup-by-matchup basis? It works against the Habs because that line can overwhelm anything Montreal throws at them. But they get Calgary on Saturday. I'm not sure. You know, on one hand, I say, well, you know, if you go down, if you look at the D pairs with Calgary, they can, you know, while Calgary's got a legitimate number one pair, McDavid's owned both Brody and Giordano uh, over the first three years of his career. Like, he's made both guys look foolish uh, on several occasions. So, you know, maybe it works, but then you look at Calgary's lineup and it's like you have the one over, you know, the one big theme with why everybody likes the Flames so much better this season is they're deeper. So do you do that or do you go, and I mean, they're deeper up front. They're not deeper on the blue line, but they're deeper up front. Uh, is it is it maybe a better strategy to not just put McDavid and Dreisaitl back on their own lines, but to also have Nuge centering a line and put Strom on the wing. And I, I, hey, I know Ryan Strom was a disaster on the wing last season, but, you know, my point here is get the best matchup. Maybe there's nights that Nuge and McDavid are going to work better against certain combos. Maybe there's nights that Dreisaitl and McDavid are going to work better. Maybe there's nights where you run all three of your big centers on their own line and you try and match teams' depth. I don't know. that. That's me. I know conventional wisdom would say, well, how are guys ever supposed to develop chemistry? <laughs> how are they supposed to develop chemistry the way Todd McClellan runs his bench? You know, they were developing chemistry. And then as soon as things start to go wrong, Todd McClellan goes, panic, 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 panic. Stranger danger, stranger danger. It's kind of his thing. So, like, I I, I promised Massa wouldn't do this. Promised Massa wouldn't. Rip on McClellan all night. Here I am doing it again. <sighs> I, I, but I just I don't get it. I, I know he's gonna. That's not gonna happen. That's Drysital is gonna be with McDavid. Nuge is gonna be at center. I get it. But if it was me, I think just to see how it might work, I would put McDavid. Drysaddle and Nuge on their own li- centering their own lines on Saturday, and then on Sunday, you know, and, and you, hey, you see how it works. 
maybe you get to the end of the first period, they're down 3 nothing. and it's like, holy shit, that's a disaster. Okay, we need to, you know, sh- shake this up quite a bit. But if it works, then on Sunday, against a Golden Knights team that looks more like we thought they would last year, and to my eye, with what I've seen, I haven't seen Vegas play a lot this season, but what I see on paper and what I've seen in the limited amount I have seen Vegas play this season, you go back to Dreisaitl and McDavid. I keep hesitating there if you wonder why, because I keep wanting to say Nuge. But, yeah, so because then, you know, they got no Paul Stastny right now, so they haven't got much of a second line, you know. Wild Bill Carlson is kind of back to being extremely tame William Carlson. So McDavid should have his way with that line. And then you put Dreisaitl out there and, I mean, who's shutting him down? You know, just just a theory. Just a theory. I know that's not how it's going to play out. But I just don't, I don't really get, okay, if you're a coach who's going to, you know, bring out the blender anytime anything's going wrong, then you're clearly not actually worried about chemistry developing between players. So why don't you adjust your lines accordingly before the game? Okay, we've got this team tonight, so then we're going to run this line, this guy with this. And I understand combinations get hot. I understand that, you know, but... I, I, it's just something I would try. It's just something I would try. Um, trying to make things quick tonight. Hopefully I do. And if they're quicker, they're more entertaining, hopefully. Uh, power play's going good. You know, 0 for 3 tonight, don't care. Looked good. It's looking so much better without Lucic. I still want Clefbaum off that top unit as well. But I'll take it without Lucic. Because... You know, and the big one I keep harping on it, although it's looking less and less likely, is that eventually I'd want Ethan Bear, but Ethan Bear again in the lineup. Like <laughs> it's, uh, and Benning was fine tonight. You know, I seen Wood guy, you know, raving about him after the game and compared him to Petrie and all that stuff. I really like Darcy. You know, I I know a lot of my followers are big fan of analytics guys, and I get that. Most of the analytics guys are either lifeless or they act like complete jackasses. Uh, you know, it's it's just kind of an old tale. When you're a pretty smart person, you usually lack people skills. So it's kind of human nature that a lot of those guys, not all of them, and not the guy that I am just mentioned and I'm going to talk about, not all of them lack people skilled, but most of them do. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just the way it is. Um, Darcy's my favorite, and I don't mean that sarcastically. Dar- Darcy's my favorite. But I actually had to unfollow him, though, for a long time on t- because, you know, he gets when – when things get bad, he pours gasoline on the fire, you know, and, and I, I understand it, but it's just, it's a tough follow to have because I'm the type of guy where when things go bad, I'll bitch about them, but I also want to, 
get away from the negativity at the same time. Like, I don't expect people to listen to me when things are going shitty for the Oilers either because it's just, it can get overwhelming to hear sometimes, you know. You don't, you know, things are shitty. You don't need to, you know, pile on nonstop. Not that Darcy does that, but just, you know, he, yeah, it can be a little much sometimes. So anyway, but he was, he was raving about Benning and, and, you know, compared to the Petrie and I, you know, even if you're not an analytics guy, I I still think there's a lot of smart hockey people out there that aren't slaves to analytics. I'm not smart enough with analytics. I like, I appreciate them. I look into them. Like, I try to, even though I'm not smart enough to get them sometimes. Well, to figure out what's what. I mean, I get them. I just have trouble, honestly, reading some of the charts. I have trouble, you know, following along with what means what exactly. But it, you know, I, I feel like analytics don't tell much of the tale with D-men like they do forwards. So I don't know what he's talking about when he says the the numbers or the results are so much better, the team's so much better or better when Benning's on the ice. If he's just talking about Corsi 4, the Corsi percentage, uh, when Benning's on the ice as opposed to not, I don't know that that's what it is. But if he is, sorry, I just, I cool, but I don't buy it. Like, I don't know. And and the one thing I was going to give McClellan credit for that I can admit, I, when speaking to Bennett earlier in the season, or Bennett, Benning, early in the season, I can honestly say that, you know, maybe, maybe he was playing with an injury. You know, I don't know that, but maybe he was. And maybe that's why they keep going back to him is because they keep saying, you know, he's getting healthier, we just need to give it time. And maybe that's why Benny went back in the top four. Uh, to me, even though Russell had been struggling, I I mean, I don't think it was a coincidence it was on the road. I, obviously, a team's going to have last change. They're going to get their best line out there against the Nurse-Russell pair. I mean, use your fucking head. So yeah, Chris Russell's going to struggle against top lines in the NHL. But, you know, Benning, home game. I didn't see the Colorado game, so I can't speak to it. Maybe Russell sucked that night too, I'm not sure. Although the whole team, from the sounds of it, sucked. Um, Benning, home game against Montreal, looks good. Eh. Eh. I don't think it's much of a sign. And, you know, the analytics say Jeff Petrie, really good defenseman. Eh, eh, not really buying it, you know, and and hey, I'm not the guy who thinks that Chris Russell's amazing either, I don't, I'm very rough on Chris Russell, Um, not a believer at all, I think he's number five, I thought for a, quite a long stretch so far this season that he looked like a number four. And because he looked so good, and because I know that the skill is there, I think there's more skill with Russell than there is with Benning. And because of that, and because it looked like Trent Yanni was starting to get 
And I mean, he still is starting to get Russell to utilize his skill more and doing the same with Larson. I mean, doing the same with the entire blue line. But if Chris Russell plays with the skill, you know, utilizes the skill he has, he's a better defenseman than Matt Benning. Now, that includes not laying down in front of everything and trying to be the second goaltender on the ice. You know, I can't stand that way of defending either. Stand the fuck up. Stand the fuck up, people at the blue line. Don't just give them the zone. Move the puck properly. Quit, like, basically with Russell, quit playing like your hair's on fire in your own zone. Like, you know, I, I felt bad for the guy against Toronto last year when he put the puck in his own net. But having said that, that happened because of the way Chris Russell plays. If you were ever going to say to me, hey, that's going to happen to a defenseman in the NHL, my first pick would be Chris Russell because of how he plays. Just like back in the day, my first pick for that would have been Steve Stales because of the way he played. Where it's just desperation. So I, I get it, but man, I, I I couldn't be or I wouldn't be happier if Matt Benning stepped into a top four role for the rest of the season and looked awesome. I am not going to bet on that happening. I think he played against a team that had you know the, the Habs were playing great. The Habs are a three or four line team. You know, like they're doing it off depth right now. They're not doing it off any one guy being high end. So they don't have a guy that's going to overwhelm you. You know, they don't have a line. They don't have they don't have that one guy. I mean, Domi's going good right now and you know, like they they've got guys that I really like, but just not that superstar up front that's going to just, you know, take a guy like Benning or a pairing like Nurse and Benning and just make them look foolish. So, yeah, Benning looked good against the Habs. Okay, let's let's see how he does when Bill Peters is trying to get the Monaghan-Goudreau line out there against him on Saturday. You know, he knocks it out of the park that night, then I'll have a lot more faith in him. Um, quick look around the league because, I mean, you're probably knowing this by now, but as I'm recording this, uh, oh, shit. Sharks came back to beat Nashville, or is that done? Son of a bitch. For those who don't know, Sharks, yeah, 251 left in the third. Sharks had a 3-0 lead after the first, blew, gave it all back in the second. Nashville took a 4-3 lead in the third. And now just looking, 240 left in the third, and it's 5-4 Sharks as they got, well, I mean, you know, they got two really quick goals. Holy shit, Pavelski and then Thornton just 13 seconds after. So that would have been a nice, nice, nice uh, L from an Oilers point of view for the Sharks. And W from an Oilers point of view for the Preds, but uh, don't look like that's going to happen now. I mean, two twenty and it's Nashville. That's not over, but um, yeah, disappointing for sure. Uh, 
And the Preds are probably a little out of gas. They just played last night, so... But uh, still, would have been would have been nice. But uh, Oilers got help though in the division. You know, Arizona got shit kicked. I'm gonna love when <laughs> teams start or when analytics guys. I mean, they already rave about the Coyotes, <laughs> and I won't get going on my one buddy who. Wow, yeah. Analytics guys, and this is not including McLeod. They like to be hypocrites they like to spin everything their way and exhibit a i guess for you yesterday was the jacob chickering contract because holy shit uh if you liked the j i'll just leave it at this if you liked the jacob chickering contract and pissed on the idea of darnell nurse getting a seven-year deal along the lines of what slavin and matheson did you're I I I don't I don't know what the right word is. Piece of shit for sure. Hack for sure. Idiot that fits. Especially when you have a pretty high opinion of your intelligence. Uh and pessimist definitely fits. Uh yeah. Wow. Wow. And I am a Jacob chickering fan if anybody read my draft stuff last year you saw how nuts i was for joe valeno compared to anyone else if you didn't read it i had him second not at the start of the year the day before the draft and i stand by it who by the way looks phenomenal this year how you doing Jacob Chikrin, I stuck by him in his draft year. It was trendy, fashionable for scouts to bail on Chikrin. Bail, bail, bail. Not me. Not me. Chikrin was hurt for most of last season. He's done nothing, nothing to earn that contract. And it's because... The team that nobody knows, you know, it's the team that the mainstream media and, and, you know, casual fans don't know, and their GM is an analytics guy. So then, oh, fuck, it must be the best deal ever. Right, boys? Peter Shirelli, who I'll piss on nonstop, but Peter Shirelli signs Darnell Nurse to a contract like that or a contract like Jacob Slavin got, who, by the way, was Slavin, again, same thing. All the analytics guys, like me, loved Ronnie Francis, loved the Hurricanes. Jacob Chickering contract, oh, it's the best ever. What a deal. Darnell Nurse gets it. Oilers are an analytics team. Everybody knows the Oilers. Oh, my God, that would have been the shittiest deal ever. When I was telling everybody last season, Darnell Nurse getting a Jacob Slavin contract if he signs long-term. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, oh, that's such a dumb idea. Oh, no, you bridge nurse. Oh, Jacob Chickren just made $4.6 million. And they didn't even get him on the max years. That's not even buying the 7th and 8th year, which are UFA years. <laughs> what did Nate Schmidt get? 59 
Oh, yeah, but Darnell Nurse wasn't worth that long-term deal, was he? Oh, fuck, saving that two mil for the next two years. That's, holy shit, that's making the difference. That's fucking, and you watch, you watch, a lot of them will piss on on the fact that they bridge Nurse when Nurse gets 6.5 to 7 mil per on his next deal. You watch, that's exactly what they'll do. The only thing you can hope for, pray for, is that Darnell Nurse doesn't go off offensively because I know that the analytics don't say that he's going to trend, that he's trending that way. I'm here to tell you, Darnell Nurse has the talent and the work ethic to take off offensively. Darnell Nurse wasn't trending to be a top four defenseman going into last season. Oh, I, I I don't know how this happened. Well, if you go by the numbers, this is, did did any of the comparables have his combination of size, skating ability? Did they have his edge? Did they have his IQ? Oh, but he doesn't have hockey IQ because he's never been forced to think the game because he's so fucking ridiculously talented. It will take him time to learn how to think the game. And once he does, he'll be fucking ridiculous. Did you ever think of that? Oh, yeah. Analytics. I got all the time in the world for analytics. I have got no time for analytics, guys. No time. The worst thing is they think their analytics are going to tell them how to scout guys. Right, because every two people are the same. So they'll tell the story. They'll tell the story on everybody. Anyway, I'm done for the night. I'm done. This was a lot more hostile than I meant for it to be. It's good. It's good mood. And I said it last night on the Little Nights podcast. I wouldn't have been surprised if, or I won't be surprised if, on Monday morning the Oilers are eleven eight and one. Won't be surprised for a second. These were three winnable games. It sucks. They were four winnable games going into the Colorado game, and it was their low point of the season. But, you know, McDavid said it in his in his media availability after that game. Shit, San Jose held on. Uh, McDavid said it in his media availability after that game that, you know, they got off to a good start. That only put them at 500. So, you know, as as much as we all get so skittish that the sky's falling again, they were 500. And I still got a lot I could bitch about with this team right now. I still, I, I, I don't think that they're playing to the potential that they have. And I don't think that they're a high-end team. I don't think they're, they're a very legit contender unless, of course, you get that miracle season from Koskinen where he just, and hey, it happens with goaltenders, you never know. But, you know, you get that season from Koskinen where he just stands on his head and all of a sudden he, you know, 
him and McDavid is enough to carry them deep into the playoffs. I mean, that's always, but barring that miracle, I think they're, you know, they're, how how do I put this? They're a borderline playoff team. If they get the right goaltending, they're in the playoffs. If they don't get the goaltending, they're out of the playoffs. In the Pacific, they should be second or third. The Pacific should be, just looking at it now, it should be San Jose 1, Calgary or Edmonton 2-3. Either order. And then the rest. You know, everybody's like, well, Arizona, you know, the team that just got pumped by Detroit 6-1 tonight, eh? That team? Oh, but Arizona's goal differential. Yeah, yeah, they beat up on teams that were on back-to-backs having played in Vegas the night before. Playing their backups. Oh, but uh, they did this and they... Shut up. Shut up. Arizona's going to have to do something relatively impressive to get me on their bandwagon. I'm not anti-jumping on the Arizona Coyotes bandwagon, but... Yeah. You know, I I kind of mocked Ryan Pinder. I hate to admit this now. I kind of mocked just just with that subtle. I like favoring the tweets that I remember, you know, when they look like shit. And Carolina went to like 3 or 4 and 1, and I favored a Ryan Pinder tweet that was from the opening night. I say, "Ah, same old Hurricanes." Yeah, I'm eating that one now. <laughs> I'm eating that one now. Uh, that's That sucks. Luckily, Pinder has no idea who I am and didn't acknowledge it, nor probably did even notice. But, yeah, yeah, that, uh, he was right. Same old Hurricanes, you know. And that's kind of how I feel about Arizona. You know, it's probably going to be the same old Coyotes. Maybe not the same old Coyotes. They're improved. No, no doubt they're improving. No doubt doubt they're going to have a better season this year. Lock for the playoffs? Fuck off. Playoff contender? Eh, if everything goes right. You know, the one thing they have going is the division's weak. But, you know, Vancouver. Vancouver, hey, is this the beginning of the end for the Canucks? I know everybody wants to give... Travis Green, the Jack Adams and whatnot. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. I said it. I said it for like three or four weeks now. I love what they have going on, but that blue line and that goaltending, oh, you'll have to prove it to me deep into March before I believe it. And it looks like it's coming apart now. But anyway. Finish this up. Tried to keep it short tonight. Did I do anything of a good job? Eh, it's going to be 40 minutes. I'll leave you with this. Koskinen couldn't be a bigger key to the Oilers right now. Team needs high-end goaltending right now. Because they, they need to get that confidence. Confidence is high. I think confidence is a lot better than it was last season. But it still needs to keep going up. He looks capable of giving it to them. It wouldn't stun me at this point if he did give them one of those miracle seasons. I don't know what's in his game that would lead you to believe that he can't be an elite goaltender, at least for one season. 
And between him and what looks like the power play might finally be getting going and the schedule letting up some, you know, I've said it a couple times now, these next 16 games that started with Colorado, 10-5-1 is kind of the area I would aim for. It sucks that they lost the Avs game, but who knows, maybe they maybe they make up one of those five losses somewhere else. Right? Not impossible. Schedule's letting up. So you can see how this team could really get on a run here. Then again, as I said earlier, I wouldn't even bet on McClellan starting Koskinen on Saturday. We'll see. Don't know if I'll get to a show Saturday night. Uh... I don't know if I'll get to a show Sunday night. It might be Monday by the time I do it, but I'll probably do a Soups on Hockey podcast again later this week. So for those of you who can't get enough of me, I'll be back. Don't worry. Might have a blog coming out tomorrow morning too. I don't know. Feeling ambitious tonight. For now, this is Soups on Oilers. I was your host, Tyler Campbell. No, I am your host, Tyler Campbell. Hope you enjoyed this one. Hope you come back. Have a good day. Fuck off.